Hello, and welcome to Bringing Education Home. I'm Herb. And I'm Christina. And together we bring you ideas about education, entrepreneurship, and relationships that are both inside and outside the box. If you like the show, be sure to follow Christina on Facebook. And please leave us a review or leave a comment on your favorite podcast platform. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing Jackie Bailey. Don't tell anyone, silence Jackie Bailey at the age of eight. 15 years later, she saved another child by speaking up. Known as the International Conversation Coach, Jackie inspires clients to break their silence and become victorious over trauma. Today, she is the founder and executive director of the Speak, Feed, Lead Project, which has empowered hundreds of children, teens, and adults with confident, courageous voices shared on global stages, competitions, podcasts, and books. And I want to welcome Jackie because this is a great pod, great way to get together. Jackie and I are in a group called Role Model Makers. She has been an inspiration to me looking at how to work with children and families. And I thought it was really important that we bring her on and help families understand how to nurture that speaking, that growth of your child as they're aging and growing through their education and learning process. So Jackie, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here and I appreciate all that you guys are doing. Thank you so much. And, yeah. and be sure to check out her full bio to see all of the cool stuff and awards that she's doing because she really has done a lot of really cool mm -hmm. stuff, which leads into her her business, the Speak, Feed, Lead. So would you like to tell us a little bit about what it is that you're doing and, passion and, and <laughs> how you got involved with it? Well, that is the key component there is how I got involved. You know, life has twists and turns and we either take them or we run from them. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I found that I was always mostly taking them. So the reason that I feel so passionate about helping children to find their voice is because when I was a child in the throes of abuse in varied ways, from a sibling and from a family friend and a few kids at school. Um, I know what it's like to be silenced. In fact, I was told don't tell anyone, as you mentioned in my introduction. I was taught to lie and just basically kept silent through coercion and threats. I was always afraid to speak up because I thought well, maybe I'll accidentally tell something I shouldn't and then what could happen. And so it is this fear that is placed over you as a child or at least it was for me and i didn't feel like i had the freedom to to talk even though you know i wasn't shy necessarily i was just really careful about the way i conducted myself and i was pretty obedient in that don't tell anyone i didn't and i kept it inside until a moment when i was an adult and i was married with two little kids and my sibling abusive brother got married and they had a baby girl. And now I'm in this situation where I need to say something to keep her safe because no one knew besides me that that was a problem or I needed to go away from this planet and just not worry about it anymore because I couldn't live with the fact of not saying anything and then just hoping that nothing happened to her. And for months and months, I was just really in this crisis of emotions, trying to figure out what would be best to do. And I was really just filled with anger. All of those emotions from my childhood came back all at once. 
and they all sort of settled on anger. And here I had two little kids. I think my daughter was about three, and then I had a baby. My son was a baby. And I just got angry, and I would, like, smack my daughter on her diaper butt just because she got in front of the TV when I was watching something. It was just little things like that that would set me off. And my husband started to realize, whoa, something's going on here. He's thinking, I want out of the marriage. I don't love him anymore. I mean, and this went on for a very long time. And then finally I decided that suicide, if I took my life, meant that my children might not be safe because no one knew to, to watch out for them. So I thought, well, to save my niece and to save my own children, I needed to stay alive. And so I, I broke the silence to my husband. He was the first one that I told about all those secrets I'd kept for years and years. And he didn't want to leave me, which was a, a risk of mine. I thought he wouldn't love me anymore because he'd see how really ugly I was. And, or I thought maybe he wouldn't believe me and think I was crazy and try to take the kids. Just all these scenarios that go in your head. None of that happened. And in fact, I felt very supportive. And I started therapy. And then one by one, I started to break my silence to the rest of my family and my sibling brother's abusive brother's wife. Um, and then on, I started therapy and started to finally sort of work through all of these feelings. And it took a long time, but I was able to eventually forgive the abuse. And in fact, found out that my brother had actually confessed to three authority figures when he was a young man about what he was doing to me. And no one helped him and no one helped me and no one told our parents. And so I had some compassion for him at that time because I felt like neither one of us was helped. Neither one of us was saved and we could have been. And so it became easier and easier after that to consider that maybe I could forgive. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe it was in me to do that. Right. And Using my voice years later to say those three magical words to him really commenced my healing and it helped it seal for me that I, I could do anything. If I could if I could work through all of that and still come out being forgiving, I could do anything. So um, years ago, I had an opportunity to speak or to teach some public speaking skills to a group of homeschool kids. I'd never done it before. I'd never even considered doing it. <laughs> And I thought, I, yeah, I could do that because I was, I was in the world championship of public speaking competition and I was a bit of a local celebrity because I was getting ready to go to the semifinals of that competition in Las Vegas. So I took it on and uh, I saw immediately the impact mm -hmm. some simple training had on these kids. Yeah. I mean, they started to come in standing a little taller their faces were beaming a little brighter. They were speaking out more forcefully and without hesitation to say what they wanted to say. And they were allowed to speak about anything they wanted to. And I really saw, wow, if I'd had that ability when I was their age, how different could my life have been? And um, so I developed more and more curriculum. I, I kept teaching these kids for a while and I, I taught some kids that were at a nearby school and then I started developing my own courses and they were getting full all the time and it was everything was going really great. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. And I just saw this major change that it had in the kids. And so I've continued to build on that ever since.
That is so amazing. Cause as a teacher in a classroom for 27 years, you know, it's one of those things that trying to get my kiddos to speak up loud enough so I could hear them from the back of the room to the front of the room or to get them to go up front and share something with the rest of the class. You know, when they were younger, second grade, first grade, they were always anxious to share. Oh, I want to show share this and share this and read my story and everything. But then when I taught third and fourth grade, I noticed that shift in kids, right? They were like, well, now I'm not quite so anxious to get up there and share. And so it's one of those things as a teacher trying to pull that voice out of them as well and just encourage them. You are okay. You can do this. Keep going. And then I started looking at myself like, oh, wait a second. I was the teacher who was petrified of school <laughs> night because I was in the front of the room with parents because people always say, you know, you're a teacher. You speak all the time. It's like, no, I speak to my kids who are in my class, who I know speaking in front of other people, which has been part of my journey through this year. So I love what you're doing. I am so glad that you found your voice and have been helping other kids share their voice as well. So yeah. how, right? How? Um, actually, I would. Okay. I, so I'm coming from a different point. I'm also a coach, a psycho-spiritual coach. We, and so there was something that you said that was that, that caught my attention that I haven't been able to let go of. So I, I have to kind of get go this. For it. <laughs> um, when you were talking about how when you first started telling your husband that you were worried that he was going to see how ugly you were. And right there, I would like you to know that you are not and were not and have never been ugly. And to all of our parents and children out there, if somebody has done something that makes you feel ugly. It's it's them that has done something that it's ugly and it is not you. So if you feel that way, um, there's there's so many ways that you can help. And, and that is, it sounds like what she leads into. So, yeah. so um, yeah. just that one comment in there, I heard that as, as something that was still kind of current and I wanted you to know that I see you and I think you're beautiful and I don't even know you that very well, but you know, I just heard that and I felt that and then I wanted to share. So just because people have done something ugly, maybe to you, please don't, don't internalize that as, as something that you are. So you yeah. are. Yeah, no, it was. And I appreciate that. Thank you. I, I don't consider myself ugly now, but I did feel ugly inside then because of all the emotions that I'd been holding in and you know there were times throughout my childhood when my mother would make comments to me that were not helpful and did not open up the doors for me to be able to communicate with her in fact one of my abusers was a family friend and he would come to the house when he knew my parents weren't home and he knew that he could groom me in a certain way and when my mother was reading a newspaper one morning I was about 11 years old and she read the headline she said oh my goodness Ray has been arrested for molesting his daughters. Jackie, I'm so glad he never did that to you. And I'm thinking 11 years old, okay, my mother is glad to be ignorant. My mother is glad to not know what's actually going on. So if I say something, I'm going to make my mother sad. I don't want to do that. So mm -hmm. my responsibility to make everybody happy by yep. keeping silent about what was going on, right? And so there's just little things, the way that I interpret it. Um, and then I was ugly because now I'm keeping secrets, but I'm also ugly because it's happening to me and, you know, uh, I, I'm not supposed to say anything. It's better just to shut up. And then later on when I was 14, 
my mother came into my room one night, sat on the edge of my bed as if we were going to have this heart-to-heart -heart talk. And she asked, Jackie, are you letting someone do something to you they shouldn't be? So again, three little words, are you letting, uh -huh. <laughs> uh, made me feel like, okay, it's my fault. I guess I'm letting this happen. I'm causing it or I'm not stopping it. It's all my fault. I'm, you know, so then the guilt piles on. So it was all of these emotions that when you say things like that to your kids in a, you know, well-meaning way, but sometimes we can inadvertently do more damage than good. It just starts this vision of yourself of being guilty, uh, no good, ugly, unlovable, unlikable. You know, I was lonely and so those that's where that ugly feeling comes from. I don't feel it now, but it was definitely something then, especially when my, my husband and I hadn't been married all that long. He thought one thing about me, but I had this horrible secret that I'd not let anybody in to see. And so what was he going to think when when I actually took off that mask and saw a different person, you know, so that's where that was coming from. But we well, do from the husband's point of view that that would not be a problem that would that would that would be something that would draw him in and make him feel more protective of you that to me yeah. that would be it wouldn't make you ugly so, yeah so yeah i i understand why you wouldn't necessarily want to say something like that but mm -hmm. at the same time it's like yeah if he if he really loves you then that will yeah yeah absolutely that's how it ended up <laughs> <laughs> that, we need the happy ending, right? Yeah, absolutely. And even happier than that is that you took your your power and started sharing, right? That's the thing is that's my message for anybody is your voice is so much your superpower because it was what started the healing process for me when I was finally willing to speak up when I made that move to do that. And then when I started sharing it with the therapist and I broke the silence to the rest of my family and started telling them one by one, I didn't know who was going to believe me. I didn't know what anybody's reaction was going to be, but it had to be done to save my niece. Right. And, um, and she was kept safe and good. That, that is another part of the happy ending. Um, so she, people watched out for where she, where, where she was and who she was with. And that was a good thing. That's amazing. <laughs> that is the way it needs to be. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. So if you are a parent and you're noticing that your child is changing a little bit or doing something a little bit different, mm. make sure that you're checking in with them and mm. be careful of the words that you say to not let maybe insinuate blame or whatever. But then also, how can parents get their children to speak up? What are some tips and tricks for parents to really encourage them to have that voice? And again, it's not a voice that's going to be one that's you know, necessarily like demanding and things right. like that, but a voice that shares what they need to share. Yeah, I think as a parent and a grandparent myself, mm -hmm. I know that at times I've made mistake in, mistakes in assuming that my teenager is just going to open up to me when I've done nothing to prepare for that to happen, right? So you have to start early on with questions that will let your child know that you're sincerely interested. And I think the most damaging thing that was not in my day when I was being, when I was a parent, um, is these devices. Uh -huh. 
I mean, this is if if there's always a device in front of you and you're asking your kids questions, they're not going to answer you because they know you're not listening. And I hear this from my students. Uh-huh. Uh, my mom, you know, when she's texting somebody and she's talking, I'm just going to say fine or whatever mm-hmm. and answer to her question, because why would they go into a deep, dark roadway of, of feelings and thoughts when they know mom's not listening and Right. And so that's one thing parents is, I would say, never talk to your kids with a device in your hand. Right. So t- put everything down, focus on your child, look at them while you're talking to them. And if that's all you do, it's going to be better than not doing that. Right? right. And then you need to ask questions like, instead of how was your day? I mean, that was, that's so general. And sometimes we say that as a courtesy question where we really don't expect a long drawn out answer and to cover an entire day could be a lot but you can say what was the best part of today who did you sit with at lunch Mm -hmm. Um, how did you do on um, are you happy with the results of your math test or the project you presented or something like that if you get a little more specific and it's feelings based Mm -hmm. I think your child will start to learn that you are interested in their feelings but here's the thing after you ask that question and they give your answer give their answer you can't go you what you what what did you do oh my gosh you worked so hard on that and you still failed that test if we have out after the answer oh my gosh if we cause mama drama in our response they're going to shut down because they don't want that right they want to be able to just feel like it's going to be even keel and they could share it without love so that's another key component to it is um and then i think if you just follow up things like well how did that make you feel when that happened right and another really important question is well if you could do something differently Mm -hmm. what would you have done and let them think about the solution to whatever challenge or problem they had what would you what would you do differently if you had to do it again and let them think about that that is such an important learning tool for our kids and again it, it lets them know you have faith in them that they can be independent of you that at some point they're going to be right and you're training them to do that yeah yeah hopefully um but those are the just simple tools that we can do to help our parents or sorry our students and kids feel safe with us and that's really what they need is they need to feel safe and unjudged and then they'll begin to open up i love that and actually this guy is an expert at it he whenever whenever i would come home from being in the classroom all day you know instead of just how was your day he would always really try to get a little bit more specific. Like, what was the yeah. best point of your day, or what made yeah. what was it? What made you feel like a competent teacher today? Yeah, feel like your kids were were on point today. So where where you know? So yeah. I would ask questions like that to. So instead of just a general, oh, it was just a rough day. She could point into something that worked. Yeah, I even someone pointed out to me in a meeting I was at. They always ask, "What did you fail in today?" Mm-hmm. And um, it's like, whoa, really? You want to go negative? But they said, well, that opens up for someone to say, well, I didn't do so well at this. But then you can go, okay, so what would you do differently if you had to do it again? Yeah. Again, it's the learning process. So that might be something you ask your kids too, is what, it, what, did, what did you fail in? Because that 
lets them know they have permission to do it. You don't have to succeed at everything, right? Failing just means you're learning. It doesn't mean that you can't get up and do it again or you should never try again. It just means take the lesson and, and apply it to the next thing. So. Absolutely. I love that because it really is important to let them know. Yeah. yeah. For, for a while at the end of my night, I had this thing where I was journaling and some of the questions that I was asking myself was like, well, what was, what was the worst part of your day? And it's like, was it really that bad? And what could you have done better? So that, that I, you know, I used to kind of do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But th that was one of my things that kind of fell away over time, but <laughs> while I was doing it. Yeah. Good. It's nice to know. So yeah, those types of questions to kids are really going to be helpful. And then when they, you really are concerned about something, um, I think you can say, you know, I've noticed lately <clears throat> that you seem a little down or you don't seem to want to hang out with your friends anymore. How are you feeling about your friends or is there are there activities you don't like anymore and why is that? I, I think if you start asking questions like that, they may not answer right away. I mean, don't expect that they're going to just spill their heart out to you on the first try. But again, you have to show them over time that you, you are sincere in, in wanting to know. And I think a lot of that has to do with starting young. You know, if you have little ones at home, start young, have, yeah. you know, each day or every other day, have a five minute conversation with just your focus on them. So they know that they can start building that trust in that relationship. Uh, one of the things that another expert shared with us at times is that if you're starting with an older kiddo, you know, don't necessarily go face to face, do it while you talk, while you're walking or talk. Okay. while you're Yeah. Something so there's a little bit of a buffer, but they can still get that comfortableness of starting to speak. So right. you're working, but not like eye contact heavy. Right. And be away from you and talk with you. So yeah. walking talks are, are good for that as well. Driving talks too. You yep. can't be far away if you're driving in the car, but you're not necessarily looking at them either. <laughs> Exactly. No, I have a teenage son or uh, grandson who's 14. Uh-huh. And he likes to help his dad cook in the kitchen. Yeah. So that's a perfect time to have conversations if you're doing something like that together and you're you're chopping up vegetables or whatever, you just have a casual conversation. That's yeah, exactly. Opportunities. Yeah. You're distracted enough to let important information jump out at once exactly. in a while. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. so we're getting these kids to talk to us more and share with us and things like that. But what if we think that maybe they would be a really good like public speaker or a competition speaker? What's something that a parent can do to kind of test the waters and see if the kids really want to go that direction? Well, I think it's up to the child, really. I mean, I, I talk with parents that say, oh, my kid has no fear. He'd get up on a stage and, you know, give an entire speech, no problem. Um, and I go, okay, that's great. Well, are you encouraging that? <laughs> you know, what are you doing to motivate that child to build on those skills and those desires? Because if you don't, they're going to have a bad experience and then they're never going to want to do that again. Is that really what you want? So I say, if your child wants to do it, give them opportunities to do it. Help them build the skills. Yeah. But on the other hand, I have parents that say, oh, my son would rather eat glass than, than public speak, right? Yeah. Um, and, and he's tried all these programs and just doesn't want to do it. And then I say, well, here's the deal. 
communication is not optional, right? right. We, we have to have a certain level mm -hmm. of confidence in conversing with people to be successful in whatever we do, even if it's relationships, but it could be a career or school or, you know, on numerous other things. Yeah. And so I think in those cases, we do need to find a place where our child can fail with support, mm -hmm. where they can practice a failing or they can practice succeeding and have celebrations for both, right? Where they're, where they're not going to get teased by classmates or where they're not going to get graded by teachers or, or judged by harshness um, from, from classmates who really don't have a care in the world about how they succeed or not. Um, and so I think we do need to give them opportunities so that they can learn that they don't have to be afraid to speak up. Because if a child who's afraid to speak up when they're young mm -hmm. is still going to have that fear when they're older if we don't help them through that. And it's just going to be more costly yeah. for them um, if we don't help them. So I think as parents, we need to give opportunities for both sorts of kids. <laughs> and, and then there's the parents who say, well, my child is autistic or my child is dyslexic and their communication challenges are more harsh than others and you know what can I do there and the answer to that is find a program that that knows how to work with those types of kids and those types of challenges and I mean they're out they're out there and then be encouraging right absolutely learn how to love and then and then their dyslexic won't be a problem. Then they will find ways to overcome it. Right. If there's something they want on the other side of that, they will go get it. Mm -hmm. So if you teach them to want what's on the other side of that, mm -hmm. then it no longer becomes a problem. Absolutely. I had one student start with me early on, and he was probably in fifth or sixth grade, so 10 or 11 years old, something like that maybe 12 years old no i think he was 11. Mm -hmm. and he was pretty shy he um he always had something to say but he didn't always say it well or he didn't he didn't always he wasn't always happy with the way he said things and he would be really critical of what he should have done you know ah you know right. um, put himself down a lot for that well after working with him for a couple of years and watching him give these amazing speeches in front of the group yeah. He came to me just as he was starting high school mm -hmm. and he said, Miss Jackie, I love public speaking so much now. I want to give back. I want to start a club at my school where kids can learn public speaking because I, I feel like it's really important that they have a place to, to do that. Yeah. Said, That's awesome. I said, do you have, have you talked to your teachers? Have you talked to the administrators? Is there a classroom you can use? And he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> I said, well, that's how you'd need to go about things if you were going to have something at your school. And I'm sure there's like rules to start clubs and things like that. Or I told him that I would be happy to sponsor a club for him and he and we could have it here at the studio and uh, we've got the curriculum already designed. And he's like, yeah, let's do that. So so we started the Speakaboom Club. Speakaboom is he, it was his name. He became the first president of the club and we started with 25 kids and that was, that was four years ago and we still have, I mean, we fluctuated in our numbers here and there, but 
I think we're about 20 now still, you know, and we meet every other week um, throughout the year. And these kids are, it's a nice practice stage and they're, I love to see them being so supportive of each other. Uh This is what happens when, when you start a child when they're young and they have good experiences presenting and they overcome their failures and learn from them, they do want to give back. And that is such a beautiful thing. Um, and, and Charlie is still in the club and he's still mentoring the kids younger. He's, I think he's going to be a senior in high school this year. And I mean, it, the, what he's giving back is just amazing. And he'll probably continue to do that even as he moves on to college. So those how, are did go, how did he go round up 25 other kids who wanted to come? He just started advertising that we were doing it. Okay. And, and little by little, kids learned about it, and they started coming. And then it, it started before the pandemic, so it was here at my studio. And we would have a full room, barely enough seats for everybody. You know, kids at the end of a school day can get a little bit gamey. <laughs> But we always had we always had fun and you know they like I said the beauty was that they supported each other and they were giving feedback to each other. So, you know, a ten year old boy would get up and give a speech and a thirteen year old girl would give him feedback. And she said, What I really liked about what you said was this. I got a little confused right here, so I suggest that maybe you work the story just a little bit better and organize it differently so that I can follow along. It was just little things like that. We do that in some of our coaching groups. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in our careers. So. Yeah. But that's what I was going to point out right there is that's super, super important because you're teaching the kids how to critique and how to take mm-hmm. those, um, you know, little bits of not criticism, but you know, ways to make it better. Right. Yeah. And that is so, so important because we're, I, unfortunately, I feel we're in a society today that if you like say something to somebody, they take it completely wrong. Oh, well, you're just like criticizing me or you're just like tearing me down. So our kids need to learn how to do that give and take back. Yeah. Yeah. And the key is to ask, uh, can I give you some feedback? Yes. (laughs) And if someone says no, then you go, okay. Okay. (laughs) So another thing that I do as I would like to point out that your story about the young man and his wanting to give back is very much the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. So he he went out and he faced his dragon, which was public speaking. I don't like public speaking. He got the skills. He got the sword. He learned how to use it. He went out and he fought the dragon, which mm-hmm. was public speaking. He learned he got good at it. He returned to home. He came home after his grand voyage. And then what the hero does is he gives back that which he learned. So he, so, you know, it's, it's a small hero's journey. And so it's not, you know, it's not necessarily the grand life thing. So there's so much of that also in Mm -hmm. the healing work that, that I do. And the people that I work with is some of these people have these experiences. And the first thing they do is like, everybody needs to be able to do this. So that, that sense of completion of, wow, this was such, it draws that need to bring other people into this feeling, into this humanity. So thank you for sharing and thank you for, for, for pointing, for bringing that story yeah well you as well thank you for pointing out the hero's journey i'd never thought of it that way before that's awesome so the one other connection i was making there with my classroom was that whenever we would like do math 
right? And people would present their math problems up on the board and like, oh, well, I did it this way. One way I taught the boys and girls to give that feedback carefully was that I like what you presented, but I see something that I did differently. May I share how I did it? Or so instead of saying that was a mistake, you did it wrong. It's like, oh, I can see what you did, but I did it differently. So then those boys and girls were able to share back and forth and ultimately find the mistakes together. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I like that. And it is it's an important skill to Mm -hmm. be able to give feedback without it being necessarily critical. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's more of a you can still be positive. And I think you highlight what someone does well and say, would you consider mm-hmm. trying this yeah. the next time? Or what would you think about this if you added this or whatever? And, and I think there's positive ways to do that where people will be more accepting of your feedback than, than the criticism of it. Exactly. Yeah. So and do you have one more tip that you want to kind of give to parents or one more thing you really want parents to know about helping their children become these speakers, become these people who can share their voice? Yeah. Well, we have some amazing opportunities for this kid, these kids. And one of the ways that they really grow as speakers is learning the conversation skills. So we, we teach them five basic rules of effective conversation. Okay. And once they understand those and they feel comfortable with the one-on-one, then we lead them to podcasting. So we let them apply those conversation skills with an adult that is an expert in a field they already love, whether it's sports or science or STEM or books, whatever it is, they get to decide, well, if I had a podcast and I could talk, about anything I wanted, what would that be? So they decide on the theme and then they think about, well, who's an expert in that? Could I possibly talk to that person? So we help them to create a very professionally written invitation to a potential guest. Mm -hmm. We have them send that invitation out. And most people, when they get an invitation to be a podcast guest are going to say yes, especially if the host is a young person they, most people will support that. Right. We have had NFL players. We have had Nobel Prize winners. We've had famous authors come in. People to work to ask onto our podcast. <laughs> yeah. And so our, the, our students have been able to talk to their idols, if you will. And I'll tell you, that is empowering. Yes. When they get to talk about something they love with someone who knows how to how to get there Mm -hmm. to where they want to be that's pretty amazing but it all starts with the conversation skills and then we allow them to apply it um and they do three different podcasts Mm -hmm. we don't publish it because they're still minors and it's recorded so Uh they can publish it if you know with parents permission and they want to do that Mm -hmm. but generally speaking they have these three recorded podcast episodes that they can use for college applications or whatever, whatever they want to, but it's so empowering for them. So those are, that's a simple way to get them really excited about speaking because Mm -hmm. most kids I've learned, if they get to talk about what they want, Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll speak up more. You know, that's the thing we, we have in schools is they're given a subject that they have to research. Right. 
then they write a report uh-huh. and then they might be responsible to present this verbally right yeah. and now they're being graded <coughs> excuse me on how they presented information about something they may not even care about right they weren't excited right? to begin with no but they have to so what we're teaching them is here's the game you have to play mm-hmm. if you want the good grade you yeah. have to talk about what i want you to talk about and so when I get them in our programs, I have to break that. <laughs> and because you know, out of the box coming through again, it's like, that's actually why we're starting our school and helping people get their children out of school. Yes. So instead of writing reports on stuff, they don't want to write reports on the parents get to find out what draws their children in yeah. and they write reports on stuff they want to write reports on. Mm-hmm. So Again, you're you're talking the difference between public school systems and some of the things we do. And so while she's agreeing with you because she has been in public education for 27 years, we are outside of that and we do things a little differently. I just wanted to point that out real quick. I was also shaking my head because for a while before I started my new direction, I was one of those teachers. We're going to do insect reports and everybody's going to give up to talk about insects and Mm -hmm. the like oh yay (laughs) yeah exactly yeah okay good but i have to do it to get a grade right right when they come to me now even when they get to talk about whatever they want to they still go into report mode and they just start going down a lot of facts Mm -hmm. facts and statistics and it's like they take in directly from the encyclopedia right and i say okay you you delivered that really well but where's this personal experience Mm-hmm. That I want to know about. Okay, tell me about grasshoppers if you want to, but why? Yeah. Why? Why do you love grasshoppers? And yeah. why should the people listening to you care about grasshoppers? Right? What is it about <laughs> grasshoppers we need to know? And so I have to kind of break their thinking a little bit, get them out of that report mode, so right. they start telling stories mm-hmm. and personal experiences, because that's how we connect to each other. Right? It's not necessarily through information; it's through emotion. So if they get that down at that early age, again, you're talking high level business classes (laughs) on how to attract customers and you have to be personable. You have to tell stories. If you're just throwing facts at people, they're going to go away. So you're you're talking life skills. You're talking entrepreneur skills. You're talking everything skills. So you know, you're, 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 you're kind of laughing, but I'm hearing like, man, if you get this down at that early in age, that's the secret that can she just build up all of those kids doing what she does, what she loves. And then she gets to say, see what I did to them. I made them even more successful in life. That's right. Hopefully they'll be CEOs of big companies and I'll never have to work another day in my life. Cause they'll just all take care of me. Cause I was, I empowered them so much. <laughs> I love it. That is, I can only hope. <laughs> Oh, Jackie, we have been having so much fun and I am loving all of this information and the way we empower kids and the way you're thinking about empowering kids. And, you know, this is just, yes, exactly what I think parents needed to hear. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about, um, you said you've been running some groups, some classes, some things like that. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about what else you do with these kids and how we get them to be speakers. How can our families get a hold of you if they want some more help and guidance in turning mm-hmm. them into speakers? Yeah, thank you. Well, first of all, you can find me at JackieBailey360.com. Mm-hmm. And that's a hub for 
everything about me. You're going to find my social media links, all of my websites, all of my books, which many are on parenting and others are on leadership qualities and uh, find everything about me there. As far as our programs, we start with kids as young as 10 because we find that at the age of 10, they are capable of giving that feedback, which is such an integral part of our programs. So from 10 all the way up, and we work with adults as well. I like to distinguish ourselves from all the other coaches out there working with adults uh, because we do work with kids and most of them don't. But we've helped a lot of college students to get into the college of their choice because of the personal essay. They had no clue as to how to write. And working just a few hours with us, we can pull out those experiences that taught them important lessons that shaped who they are and why they are who they are. And now they've got a powerful message to deliver, whether it's written or on a video. So that's one of the programs we can do. We have a course that helps them to develop that keynote speech. And I firmly believe that everybody should have a keynote speech. Whether you ever plan on speaking on a stage or not, knowing what our message would be if given the opportunity keeps us on track to reach our goals. It helps us to understand our purpose and helps us to identify our core values so that we don't tend to stray from that if we understand it really well. So by helping individuals to develop their keynote speech, maybe just keep it in their proverbial pocket, then they're ready to face a lot of challenges because they realize who they are. So that's something else that we do. And then we have eight-week courses. Um, We call them stages, and we have 12 stages. So each stage is, is eight weeks long. And we start at the conversation level, and that builds to demonstration-type speeches. We do a lot of improv so that we get them comfortable sharing emotions while they speak. Um, That leads to motivational-type speeches, keynote speeches. We work on focusing on iconic historical speeches from people like Gandhi and Abraham Lincoln, uh, people like that. And then they deliver those speeches using someone else's words, but they have to use the emotions that they felt were being portrayed in those speeches. And that really helps them, too, to understand a little bit more about who people were and and what their missions were in life. Um, So those are just a few examples. When you get into the later courses, the later stages of our courses, they actually lead the the classroom. Um, They will be working on community service projects. So they're taking their speaking skills into more leadership type roles out into the community so that they can serve with their newfound confidence and skills. And so it's about a three-year process if they start with us and continue with us through all of the stages that we offer. Wow, that's that's pretty in-depth. It's pretty thorough. Yeah. It's like, is it just for kids? No, she said it's adults <laughs> as well. <laughs> I was like so deep in, into the into the pot like wow there's a lot there it's like mm-hmm. percolating percolating through all of the holes exactly <laughs> excellent so that was jackie bailey 360.com yep awesome yep. wonderful yeah. what else <laughs> i'm still it, absorbing yeah he's still absorbing <laughs> that's funny but this that's is okay. This has been amazing. Yes. And I am so glad that we finally got this connection going. We, we, you know, we talked at the beginning about how we're both part of the role model maker family and we have different entrepreneurs and stuff that 
you know, see each other in meetings and say hi and everything, but this has been a chance for us to get to know each other a little bit better as well. So there's two other important things that are happening recent, well, recently and coming up. I, don't, ooh, I might not be able to say it. Something about a TEDx. You can say it. <laughs> yes, I something I, happening along those lines. Yes, um, I just gave my first TEDx speech uh -huh. officially. It's it's recorded, but it has to be edited and published, so it won't be available to see for probably a couple of months. Um, Release I am official. I'm an official TEDx speaker, and uh, it was such an amazing experience. I finally got to share the message that I've planned my whole life to give. Good. And it was the right venue for it. I, I hope that it inspires people uh, to heal their traumas and to help others to heal their trauma. And so I'm really excited for when it comes out. I didn't feel any nervousness at all. I was mm. just so from head to toe thrilled to be able to be on that stage and speaking with power yeah. the message that I had to give and I want everyone to experience that you know there are youth TEDx events and as I mentioned I think I'm working with several kids mm -hmm. who are vying for the TEDx stage nice. and I have one student who's already given three TEDx talks <laughs> yes she's given more than I have wow and, um and so they're available and I, you know, she's got a book out. She's, she's publishes an ebook every month. I mean, this really can start your kids on this course. Yeah. I never imagined being able to do this for kids. Right. And, and so parents, when you give your kids the gift of communication and confident and competent communication, they are limitless. They are limitless. But I'll, I will say too, that, Experts will say that social anxiety, especially when it comes to public speaking, mm -hmm. we often think the best thing is to just avoid it. But actually, experts will say it's not. Avoidance is actually validating that they should be afraid of it. Mm -hmm. But the, the way to heal from that or to overcome it is to be in a situation where you can safely practice and yeah. safely fail and get the feedback you need try and try again and without that you know our country and the world is in so need of leaders there's there is a leadership crisis let's face it when I was young at least I had first ladies and presidents I could look up to I don't feel like our kids have that they're right. looking there maybe if they're idolizing anybody it's like you youtubers you know that are creating these videos of games they like and that's kind of sad not that these people don't deserve you know celebration for what they're doing and the talents they are putting out there but what are they really helping our kids to achieve in the way of values and things like that so we are need they, leaders we yeah, need leaders they, and our kids can be what was that oh are those influencers communicating in like yeah yeah comprehensive full messages or just little bits and pieces here and right. there yeah, are they shaping the whole child or just teaching them one aspect? Yeah, exactly. That's the difference. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, this has been a wonderful conversation. I appreciate your time and your feedback and your energy. And I am sure our parents, as they listen, will be finding little nuggets in this conversation that will hopefully help them become better communicators with their children, encourage their children to be better communicators, and hopefully eventually not be afraid to step out front and speak. 
Yes, let's hope. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And thank you for being here. It was a pleasure. I really enjoyed talking to you. We both enjoyed talking with you. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. You make a great duo. Uh, appreciate your wisdom and all that you're doing. Good luck with your school. Please let me know how I can support you because I would love to do that. Thank you so much. Yeah, we will definitely be collaborating some more. All right, audience, thank you for spending this time with us. We know your time is valuable and we appreciate you spending your time listening and grabbing those nuggets out of our conversations. Until next time, we will see you later. Bye for now. Bye for now. Bye.